Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Have a beer, please. What do you want? A beer, please? You can't just waltz in here dressed like that and ask for a beer. What, is there a dress code? Why are you here? I'm meeting some of them, Natalie. Well, that's me. Conversations about collaboration, episode 22. Natalie Angelillo of OfferUp joins me for a rollicking discussion on how our company has handled the work-from-home environment. We discuss the adoption of Slack at her company and how it has evolved over time. She also gives me her advice and insights into the future of the office. Let's rock and roll. Natalie, where does this pod find you? <laughs> hey, Phil. Uh, it finds me in Seattle, Washington. I am dying to talk to you about Offer Up because you and I spoke even before I started thinking about a book on collaboration and just and really hit it off. And your contribution to the book is awesome. And I want to dive into what you've been doing at OfferUp because you were fairly early on with Slack, right? But you didn't really use it as well as you could. Talk a little bit about the history behind that and then what changed to take you to that next level. Yeah. Um, thanks, Phil. It has been a fun, gosh, at least a year, I think, of us uh, chatting and getting to know each other virtually. Um, so that has been fun. Um, as far as OfferUp and, and Slack and, and a lot of these tools go, um, you know, like many companies, I've been, I've been at the company for over just about five years. Um, and in those days, you know, we were predominantly, when I joined, I would say email was our, you know, predominant messaging platform, uh, Gmail. Um, and right pretty, pretty soon after I started, um, we started, I think Slack had been introduced, but we hadn't really been, you know, it was sort of a either or, right? Use whatever you want. Um, and it really wasn't 2016 until 2016-ish or so? Yeah. 2016. Yep. Yeah. Cause I think Slack only launched in, I want to say mid to late 2015. So some of the, I guess were some of the techies using it first. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, being a tech company, you know, I think we, we are probably more apt to try new things. Um, and I think somehow um, Nick, uh, who's our CEO either had been introduced to Stuart or had been familiar with Slack um, through investors or whatnot um, pretty early on. And um, so we were playing around with it and trying it. It was, like I said, it was an additional option, um, but it really wasn't until uh, Nick himself, you know, really kind of made a statement that, hey, you know, please default to Slack, you know, over email um, for, for casual conversations and messages. And then he himself, you know, leading by example, really kind of started to, um, to, to communicate primarily through that messaging uh, tool. Did anyone fight him on that or no, because it was a CEO? <laughs> well, it helps that he was a CEO, certainly. Um, you know, I think, and you, you talk about this a lot in your book, right? Old habits die hard and, and different people um, took to it at different speeds. Um, and I think it took a while to kind of work some of the kinks out. Um, one of the things that Nick did relatively early on was he introduced a channel in Slack um, called Nick's Notes. 
Um, it was something that he's been doing for at least several years now. Um, and it's just, you know, it's his channel and you can join it or not as an employee, but we encourage everybody to. I'm, it'd be interesting to understand why someone wouldn't want to, <laughs> you know, be participating in the uh, CEO's Slack channel. Um, but it's kind of his place, right? It's his place to share insights, to uh, talk about what's happening. Um, he uses it to poll the company. Um, we've had some really interesting conversations um, recently as we think about, you know, moving back to the office and kind of what that looks like. So was it one to many or did people respond in comments or ask, ask him questions like an AMA? You know, it's interesting how, and I think it's maybe a commentary on Nick and his leadership style, but people feel very comfortable um, responding and asking questions and commenting and, you know, adding their emojis and, and whatnot to, to things that he writes, um, or even just adding their own two cents. Um, so while, you know, the idea is that it's kind of a platform for him to, to share information out, people, and this is the kind of, you know, I would say collaborative and, and sort of leader of the people kind of person that he is, um, you know, people feel very comfortable engaging within that channel and, and sort of speaking directly to him. So when lockdown took place almost a year ago now, you almost had a head start on some of the other companies because you were using this tool that I think works very well, regardless of where you're working. Um, did you find that that would wind up being advantageous versus, oh, we're in lockdown shit, we need a tool immediately. I don't know. Why don't we go with this? And then there was that learning curve to go along with, oh, by the way, there's a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. um, Slack was certainly an advantage. I'll tell you what was interesting though. While we had those tools already in place, we had a very in-person culture. So we had a, had a, you know, Bellevue headquarters, Everybody came to the office every single day. Um, We had a separate, um, smaller office in Miami. Everybody went to that office every single day. Um, We did not have a remote culture by any means. And in fact, Nick and many of the executives, um, you know, myself included, really prioritized and encouraged in-person meetings and interactions. And so for us, you know, one of the biggest challenges was just this kind of dramatic and sudden reversal of, you know, how we had all interacted before. And and how have you tried to maintain the culture knowing that, you know, we're hopefully closer to the end of this than the beginning, but surely you've hired a bunch of employees during lockdown, people you've never met and wouldn't have been able to look in the eye in person, although Zoom is kind of a facsimile. Yeah, we have hired a huge number of people. And in fact, um, over 50% of our employees today have been at the company for less than a year. So if you think about that, that's that's a dramatic shift. Um, it also means that, you know, over half the company essentially um, doesn't have that same orientation toward being in person only. So so there's there is there's a split there, right? Um between, you know, those of us that were around forever and remember kind of a lot of the in real life and physical aspects of being an offer up employee. And then those who've all been onboarded 
um, remotely. Let's talk about that process for a minute because I'm really intrigued. You went from maybe 2016 with use whatever you like to now, if not formally codifying Slack as your preferred hub, mm-hmm. certainly informally. Um, how do new hires know that email really doesn't fly at OfferUp? Is it, do you tell them during the onboarding process or even before that when you correspond with them as guests in Slack channels? I'm curious to how you acculturate people because some I'm sure said, oh, sure, Slack or whatever, I've used it or Teams or something similar, but other folks might be used to a more traditional email-centric environment, which doesn't fly there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, frankly, we we tell people up front as they onboard, right? So one of my, I, and I'm part of the onboarding uh, process. Um, I talk a lot about our mission, our vision, our culture, um, our operating principles. And then I also talk about communication norms that offer up, right? So what are the meetings you should attend? It's, and, and interestingly enough, this is one of the sections that um, a lot of companies actually don't do as, as part of orientation and onboarding. Um, so, you know, what what are the meetings I should be attending for sure? Um, how should I communicate with my coworkers? You know, what, you know, we, we actually say, you know, Hey, you know, these are that we automatically add people to certain Slack channels. We, um, we introduce people um, to donut, which you and I, you know, have talked about and is part of the book. And we can, I can talk more about that yeah, later. Explain but- donut for the folks who may not know, because I, I know that there are, have some passionate users of it, but it still isn't really a, it's certainly not a verb. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so Donut is a is a um, Slack application um, standalone uh, product uh, developed by a company that I believe was primarily work kind of building tools in the um, onboarding you know workspace space. And this little this little uh, feature called Donut really became something that I think they started to focus on as a result of. Uh, COVID and the pandemic and people working from home because companies like mine were using it for this very purpose. And essentially what it is, is it it is a, a randomized, it's a, it's a way to randomly introduce people um, through a Slack channel. So we've created a Slack channel called Speed Meeting and you're added to that Slack channel and you can choose to leave if you want, it's optional. Um, but all of our executives participate all of many, many of our leaders across the company participate. And essentially what it is, is it's a way Donut uh, goes in and every Monday morning, it randomly pairs you with somebody else in the company. Um, And you can, there's settings that you can actually have it like not pair you with people, you know, and uh, let's say you're focused on, you know, meeting more of the sales team this month, you can have it just focus on the sales team. Um, If you go on vacation, you can have it skip the month or the week or whatever. Um, but it essentially just randomly pairs you inside of Slack. You can then um, set up a meeting with that person uh, for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever, and just and just get to know them. Um, in the in the we started using it in April, I believe, of last year, and I think I've done about 55 donuts so far. Oh, wow. Um, our we had an we at the end of the year award ceremony. Um, we had a, a donut award, um, and and I did a a search to see kind of who had done the most donuts, you know, and I was expecting, you know, somebody in the sales team or somebody in the customer care team or something. Uh, turns out it was our CTO, who's probably one of the busiest people in our entire company. And, uh, you know, his, his daily set of meetings is just jam packed. And yet he prioritized these sort of random 30 minute meetings with 
any employee in the company um, for the entire duration of the of the experiment. Um, and it was it was so valuable. We continued to do it today and, and are actually expanding our use of it. So that's awesome. I have to ask, what was the prize? <laughs> uh, well, every single person that he had done a donut with got a gift certificate for Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> okay. I figured that was obvious, but yeah. <laughs> when you um, put them in the shared channel for donuts, I forgot what you called it. It's called Speed Meeting because originally, meeting. you know, we were trying to name it. Speed Meeting hasn't really caught on. It's just what we named the Slack channel. Um, we've sort of referred to it casually and colloquially as Donut Donut Meeting. I'm sure you can track how many people leave or haven't been a part of any meetings. Yep. It's not that there's a penalty, but have you found that most of the employees stick with it? I have. Yeah. I think, you know, for those who do it, it's been tremendously popular and valuable. Um, there are people who've opted out. Um, and those are people who, you know, you find have sort of opted out of other things as well, or, you know, for whatever reason, they're incredibly shy or it's really uncomfortable. Even people, frankly, who I think are doing it and kind of pushing themselves a little, because sometimes it can be awkward be like, oh my gosh, I have a randomly scheduled meeting with the, you know, VP of marketing on my calendar. Yikes. What is that? You know? And, I, but I think that the point of them um, and the point of is not to necessarily talk about business or talk about, you know, what's happening in your particular area. It's just to get to know each other as people. That's great. You're right. It could be a marker for any number of things. I'm, I'm shy. I've got zoom fatigue. I'm too busy, but it also could be a marker for someone who's disengaging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting that you that you call that out. I think I'm an interesting you, guy. You are. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I I it's funny. I don't love sort of tracking behavior, you know, as sort of an overarching mechanism. You know, we like to let people opt in and opt out. At the same time, um, it is interesting to know you know, kind of who and why people are choosing, not because it's wrong, just because, like you just said, it may facilitate a conversation about why. And I think for managers or, you know, for us as leaders, you know, understanding, um, you know, how things are landing, what we're putting in front of people, is it too much? Are you burned out? You know, I think certainly this past year, um, our sensitivity to burnout, to uh, noise, to just kind of too much communication is has been higher than it's ever been. Uh, mine in particular, you know, being the one responsible for a lot of it. Well, I think that's what makes a hub like Slack or Teams great. You can opt out of channels versus opting out of an inbox. You, you can't really do that, right? And exactly. I've never met Nick, although he was kind enough to, to blurb my book, but I can't imagine that everyone wants to get a reply all if someone has a question where, to your point, you can mute a channel, you could unsubscribe from a channel, you could ignore those um, badges in a channel, knowing that you'll get to it eventually versus an inbox, which commands your attention. So it's Yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah, I think it definitely, you know, the nice thing about Slack too, is that it puts a lot of the control in the hands of the employees. Yes. Um, which gives them agency. Yes. And I think as a company, um, you know, we want more people with agency. 
right? We're not trying to force feed something. I, I, if something isn't working or you don't want this information, I'd like to know why and get better. I don't want to just keep shoving it at you. <laughs> Preach it, sister. I, I, it's why I'm so passionate about Slack and, and Teams has a lot of the same functionality. It just used to annoy me. Even when I was at ASU, they'd send an email to everyone, but it only applied to tenure track folks. Mm-hmm. Well, good to know, but why am I spending even a few seconds on this? And effectively, you're reminding me that I'm not as good as someone like this because it was usually something offered to them that wasn't offered to us versus setting up a private channel for those folks and not wasting, even if it's two seconds of people's time, it does add up and contributes to the cognitive load. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the cognitive load. It's, it's the, um, there's just, yeah, there's, you're exactly right. It's an additional sort of, uh, parsing that, that the individual then needs to do. Is this important to me? I, I don't know. You know, what, okay. Should I pay attention when, so then, you know, they're spending, maybe it's only 30 seconds, but that's still a, it's a distraction, uh, two, it's time away from whatever it is they're working on. And, and three, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of confusion moment or load issue that it's just not helpful. It's interesting. As I listen to you talk about how you marry the focused nature of Slack channels, but not overwhelming folks. And you could have um, kind of tunnel vision. I'm only knowing what's going on in my department or my group, but then donut, it seems to me serves as a nice compliment because you can introduce that randomness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a couple of other channels, um, that people can opt in or opt out. And I think probably a lot of companies have these, but you know, we have a water cooler Slack channel. Um, we have, we started a Slack channel, um, when we went to kind of work from home, that's just called work from home. And it ended at the time it was, its purpose was really to just communicate critical, you know, HR policy, um, logistics, you know, that kind of information. Right. Um, in the beginning, you know, as you, as you know, it's like, you know, so many people was like, well, how do you go get your laptop and when can I get into the building? And, you know, is there a new COVID, uh, set of, you know, rules and regulations out that we should be aware of, right. Things were changing all the time. And it was interesting to see that channel morph over the course of the year to, you know, we've, we'd have whole periods of time where people would just post, you know, pictures of their workplace setup at home. Uh, you know, hey, look at my cool new laptop, you know, situation, or they'd show their dogs, you know, sitting on top of their laptop, on top of their chair, on top of the box. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people, it was a topical um just sort of water cooler break for lack of a better term. You know, it was, it was the equivalent of getting up from your desk and walking over to get a drink out of the fridge, which we used to do in real life. And, you know, laughing about something with somebody that you were standing there with Um, or, or a glimpse into someone else's kind of home space that made you feel like, Hey, maybe I'm not totally alone. My kids are also, you know, swinging from the chandeliers, just like I see yours are gee. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not alone. So um, yeah. So that, that channel um, you know, we, you, we talk a lot about like, well, there's the tech, right. And yes, tech, tech is important. Um, But it's really, you know, the, the, humanity and the sort of human elements that this tech is enabling um, that I think is, is really interesting and valuable. Couldn't agree more. Um, put on your Swami hat for a bit. And let's say that 
many or if not all the employees get vaccinated, um, call it May or June. Mm-hmm. What's your best guess about what the end of 2021 or early 2022 looks like in terms of employees working there? Will it be hybrid? Um, also, what does the office look like? I mean, I, I think these are fascinating discussions that a lot of people are having right now. Yeah, gosh, um, very topical, you know, a conversation we are having, you know, regularly as an executive team, um, you know, our uh, DNA, uh, our, our core values, we call our DNA and the, 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 those letters conveniently stand for uh, driven, neighborly and adaptable. Um, and it really, those core values really um, imbue our decisions, they are, you know, how we hire and fire. Um, and they're also going to guide how we work, um, I think, to some extent. So, you know, we are looking at sort of what we're calling right now an adaptable workplace uh, policy, um, which is that, you know, we imagine that if we do go back into or are able to go back into an office that, um, you know, we will have some sort of a hybrid uh, model where people are able to do, you know, what works best for them. Um, So, you know, I think, like I mentioned in the beginning, we were a company that was very much in in person first, I would say. Um, And we have adapted, um, you know, knowing how well our employees and we as a team have responded to the challenges of working from home. We've been incredibly productive. We've, you know, been able to, to, to still... Uh, feel like we have a, a really strong and vibrant culture, even though we're you know not physically together, which I think was one of the biggest concerns. Um, and so, you know, to that end, I think we will double down on how do we how do we how do we do more of both better? Good stuff. I can't wait to see how it plays out. I'll get you out of here on this. What book are you currently reading? <laughs> um, well, you know me well enough now to know that um, I am reading a number of books. Um, I, I am, I am, and have become even more of a voracious reader since uh, since COVID. So, let's see. I will tell you, I am reading um, on the business side of things. I'm reading a book actually by my um, former colleague Bill Carr, who just wrote a book called Working Backwards. Um, it's a fantastic book for people who would like a glimpse into. Um, you know, how Amazon works. Um, Bill brought many of um, the aspects of of the Amazon ways of working and culture to offer up when he was our COO for several years. And um, we benefited, you know, from from many of those those things. So it's been it's been really fun to read his book and cheer him on. Um, I'm reading that one as well. It's are you? <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. And he was on my pod name drop. Um, but I found it fascinating so far and only about a hundred page in, pages into it. Uh, one of the quotes, I don't know if it's from Bezos or one of the senior people there was the best way to get something to fail is to make it someone's part-time job. I love that. <laughs> that is, that is great. I, I think I've probably heard Bill say that too. Um, the other book I'm reading right now is a book called the attributes um, by, by Rich Devinney. Um, he's a former Navy SEAL, um, and this is really an interesting book about, um, I, I went down a rabbit hole on kind of peak performance and high performance um, re- in the past kind of year and a half. Um, Rich's take is really about optimal performance. So, you know, sort of this this sense of readiness to, to perform optimally at any moment um, versus kind of 
preparing for a singular event and then being able to do that. And I think, you know, frankly, business is a bit more of an environment that is kind of needs optimal performers, um, you know, versus training for a single moment in time, right? We're not not necessarily doing that. We need to sort of be, figure out how to be our best day in, day out. Um, and that, so it's been interesting for me to think about that in relation to some of the things that he talks about in his book. It's specifically also interesting around some of the uh, elements for making good teams. Um, so highly recommend at this point. Um, yeah. And then, you know, my new thing has been um, leave your phone outside your bedroom and uh, <laughs> try to improve my sleep quality. Um, and I've been doing that by, you know, just reading, reading fiction and, and not heavy fiction um, at night. So um, let's see, what did I just read? I read a book called Deep River, um, which was uh, about Swedish and Finnish settlers to the Pacific Northwest area um, in the, uh, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. The kind of the focuses on the lumber, the lumber industry, uh, the beginning of the lumber industry um, here in America. So, really good book. I think this is the first podcast in history to mention slack in the lumber industry. <laughs> Natalie, thanks so much for your time. I had a blast. Oh, me too. Thanks so much, Phil. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.